So hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Lucas. And welcome to another episode of Dose of Pharma. Today we are joined by Jen Short, who is the Deputy Course Director, Director of Pharmacy Education and Bachelor of PharmSci, and will be discussing learning during the pandemic and how to make the most of online learning. So to start off, Jen, would you be able to tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, no worries. Uh, as you said, uh, my name is uh, Jennifer Short. Uh, I am a scientist by training. I am a PhD graduate who has a background in neuropharmacology, uh, but I have worked in academia now for about 20 years. And I've worked at Monash University and uh, specifically within the Bachelor of Pharmaceutical Science um, and I'm very interested in looking at how students learn and engage with learning and how we as teachers can facilitate that process and make it even more effective. Wonderful introduction. <laughs> so um, I guess we'll get straight into the questions. For our first question, there's been a lot of debate regarding like the merit of learning styles, for example, uh, auditory, visual. So as you, your role as a course director of pharmaceutical science degree at Parkfield Monash, what is your view or take on this? Uh, my take is that it doesn't meet the criteria that I have around evidence-based practice. And so it does sound really, you know, uh, applicable and it has that sort of face validity to it. And a lot of people find that it resonates and, oh, yes, I like learning visually. So um, it, it's more effective for me to, to be provided with teaching um, materials that that hit that kind of mode of delivery but in actual fact when you do pursue the literature a little more deeply it's a, it's often to do with preferences and preferences don't always translate to gains in terms of understanding and being able to apply what you're learning um, and often people will prefer a certain style because it's easier or it doesn't um, make them uncomfortable and, and one of the things that I've tried to um, to try to promote is that learning is a process of discomfort. You know, there, there is that stage where you realize that there's a lot you don't know or can't do or um, haven't achieved yet. And it's it's working through that discomfort and, and pushing yourself to the next stage. That means that you're, you're actually achieving something that's going to be long lasting. So for me, the learning styles debate um, takes away from the idea that you should, you should put yourself in a position of discomfort. And it's about, for me, providing a, a range of, of learning opportunities and, and really trying to sort of capture um, what is appropriate for that particular learner at whatever stage they're at in their journey, but also what is appropriate for what is trying to be learned or attained so context matters as well. Um, so it's about providing variety, um, but making sure that the approaches that you use do have the evidence behind them to say that they are effective at promoting engagement or um, driving students towards that goal of mastery and, and being able to attain certain knowledge or skill outcomes. Yeah, definitely. I feel like 
even though we're comfortable with, for example, visual is the most common one, I feel, I believe. Um, it's good to also learn in different styles and put ourselves like out of our comfort zone because it allows us to retain that information much more by the end of the learning process. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's the, the literature is definitely supporting that. You know, we, we think we know our preferences, um, but it's, it's more about what we like rather than what, and this is going to sound a bit sort of, you know, your parents making you eat vegetables, but it, it you know, what we like is not always what's best for us in terms of um, outcomes. And, um, and I think it is really important to sort of embrace, embrace that. And, and yeah, sometimes you have to undertake activities that aren't that enjoyable, but you can see the long-term need, um, need for them in terms of your professional success. And yeah, that's like when you like answer questions and you get them wrong and it feels horrible, but in the long run, you actually remember that what you got wrong, even though it was like not a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that you're tapping in there. The fact that you were engaged enough to have uh, awareness that there was a gap there that you wanted to address. So you asked a question or you answered a question and then to get that feedback that made you realize that there was a misalignment, you know, you, you've had to really put yourself out there, you know, um, we're all social creatures and we do worry about how we're perceived by others. Um, but it's about being comf comfortable in, in offering, offering that answer and then, Oh, okay. Yeah. That was, I was totally off base, but, but it's actually clarified my thinking. So it was worth it. And I think as you go from first to second to third year and, and beyond, people get be more, more comfortable with, ah, okay, yeah, that was a bit embarrassing, but I'm glad I asked it or answered it or, or whatever it is. Yeah, I find that's really different now with online learning, like asking questions and answering questions. Like sometimes there's a lot less interaction, sometimes it's more, and it all depends a lot on like on the situation and the lecturer. So do you have any advice for students trying to adapt to online learning? Yeah, this is a this is um, something that we've all grappled with. I mean, the last 18 months has been an amazing sort of shift in the way that we approach teaching and learning. And, and what we thought was going to be a temporary change and something we just had to, you know, get through the next few weeks um, has turned into for um, for us here in, in Victoria, something that's been a lot more, um, a, a lot longer than we had expected. So to me, um, there's, there's a couple of things that I really try to encourage and that's the organization and structure that support your learning. It's about being proactive and being aware of what's happening. Um, when things are happening and, and the relationship between different activities in class, your role, you know, are you supposed to prepare? How are you supposed to prepare? Um, what is required before you attend a face-to-face, -face, you know, Zoom session or before you attend a workshop or a lab? Like what are the expectations there? And then being very structured and disciplined about following through on that. Um, a lot of people talk about feeling demotivated and and find it hard, you know, to maintain momentum. And, and I do worry about putting all of your um, expectations around how you'll perform, wrapping them up with motivation, because some days you just will not feel that motivation. You just won't want to do it. 
But if you've been structured and it's in your calendar and you have a clear expectation about, well, I need to do this in order to, to reach that next step. Sometimes it's just a matter of having that discipline of going, okay, I'm just going to get on and I'm going to do it. Um, or I'll do 10, 15 minutes and, you know, I'll see how I'm going after that time period. Because if you wait for inspiration or motivation or, you know, that perfect moment, you know, oh, you know, I'll be able to do it later or, um, you know, I'll wait until the moment's right to start researching or, uh, you know, it, sometimes that moment never comes and semesters are really short. They're 12 weeks. You, you guys know that. And we pack a lot into that 12 weeks before you know it, it's mid semester break is coming up. And then even more frightening is exam period. And you, you don't realize how quickly you're falling behind. So I think it's that, you know, awareness that motivation and inspiration won't always strike. And that if you are structured and disciplined, sometimes that will be the thing that keeps you going and, and allows you to maintain the momentum when emotionally or mentally, you're not ready to engage. You just, okay, give myself 15 minutes. Let's see what happens if I start reading or start um, creating a, a mind map or I start answering questions. So that would be one of my biggest um, tips. The other is to try to be active. You know, again, it's that thing of I'm logging on, I can hear someone talking, I'm in the class, I'm ticking the box. But until you actually do something that shifts it from a passive, you know, reception of information to, okay, well, how does this relate to what I know? You know, how is this, why is this important to me? You know, what's, we're, we're creatures who look for salience or importance. And sometimes that can be difficult to find. But if you ask yourself the question, if you're always sort of pondering, I need this bit of knowledge because it will help me to get to there, you're, you're actually, you know, building those structures that will mean you, you're more likely to retain it and um, to be able to use it later. So be active, be the person asking questions, like you said, Jessica, you know, um, be the person who answers the questions that are posed, whether it's text, whether it's you drawing it up, whether it's you, you know, practicing under exam conditions, which is always the best. Um, it, it's, it's, um, it's more meaningful when you actually perform some task, you know, that is work-related. I don't mean, you know, um, cooking dinner while you're listening to a, um, a recorded lecture, but be interested enough to engage um, and when you're not interested enough to engage, be disciplined and rely on those sort of structures to support you. Yeah, definitely. I feel like one of the major pitfalls as a student is procrastination, but we can easily overcome that with habits little by little and schedule in, like as you said, be organized and have a structured day. It will really help us like progress, even though we don't feel motivated. Yeah. So a lot of people have sort of talked about that sort of free falling that can happen when you're online learning because you lose the sort of, oh, I'm not getting on the tram to go to university or I'm not, you know, I'm not showing up for this particular class. And that was always my like starter for the day. And I think what you have to do is, is create your own, you know, what, what are my cues? What uh, tells my brain that it's time for me to start learning? So it's finding that space um, you know, having that, that desk or whatever it is that works for you. But while I'm here, 
I'm on, you know, this is, this is university time and I don't have to be on it for 23 hours. And in fact, I don't want anybody to be on it for 23 hours in terms of workload. But while I'm here, this is, this is me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be undertaking my university preparation. I'm going to be studying. I'm going to be testing myself. I'm going to be moving forward. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. Sorry. No, no. And then I was going to say, and then you're like, you've got to make sure you know your rewards. So then I can go and do, you know, whatever it is that's getting you through. Yeah. That's what I've started doing this semester, which has been really good. I've given myself working hours and during that time I'm at my desk, I'm working and I can take breaks if I need to, but I come back and like they're short breaks. And then once I'm done, I can't do work. And I'm pretty strict about that as well. Cause like, that's like, I struggle with to be like, Oh, I would just do like, do that later. So I can't push it later. Cause I can't do work after that time. Yeah. And I find it helps me relax a lot more as well. And I'm a lot less stressed because it's got that separation, which you kind of lose when it all goes online. Yeah. 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 So perfect. You, you're, you're living that, <laughs> um, you're embodying that, that structured approach. And it, it is so good because it means that you, you have an end to your day. So you have achieved something and you can leave. If you're just sort of dipping in and out and you're procrastinating, as you said, Lucas, you know, we, we all do it at times, but you don't have a plan of what you want to achieve. There is no end and it just kind of carries over. And whether you're actually trying to study or whether it's later when you're trying to sleep, it, it's still kind of with you. You don't have that clear kind of demarcation. So, um, yeah, it's good to hear. Uh, I really like that. Um, and I, I, I say this a lot in my skills coaching, but it, it really is about, I mean, time is our most precious resource right now. I mean, this is, you know, my personal take on it is the one thing that we all want more of is time. And you have to be very um, clear about how you're spending your time. If it is a resource, how do you spend it? And um, you, you need to you need to have social interaction and you need to look after yourself physically and, and um, mentally so that you can sustain this kind of life that we're living, um, whether it's in a pandemic or beyond when you guys are, you know, um, in your professions um, because it's too easy just to sort of procrastinate and then it bleeds on over into the night and then you're not sleeping well and then you can't engage effectively the next day and it just becomes a bit of a, a downward spiral. So, yeah, good habits lead to good outcomes. I think, Lucas, you were right. It's that habit that you need to form. Yeah, speaking of the pandemic, actually we're quite interested to know like as moving forward since we've been having a little bit of taste of online learning as well as on campus before the new lockdown restrictions. So how do you perceive like the pharmaceutical science degree will evolve moving forward? Yep. I think, and I don't want to make it sound like I think the pandemic was a good thing. It certainly wasn't, but it did force us essentially to move to a mode of teaching that we at our faculty had not a lot of experience in. And at the start, it meant that there were a lot of decisions to be made about how we structured our teaching, you know, how we communicated to students, what technology we used to support our teaching. So lots and lots of decisions. And 
And it was really great because your student cohort and the relationship that we have between the academics and the students meant that we were able to get feedback, you know, this is working. Okay. Um, there was something really early on the activity schedules. Okay. It's such a small thing. It's a, you know, it's a, a box of information that tells you for a particular unit, what you're doing, um, how, you know, what you need to prepare, um, how you're going to use that, um, how you can self-assess or you'll be assessed on that, that learning material for the week. And it was suggested in a student liaison committee meeting and, and then it was, you know, basically said, the student said, we really like this, you know, can you keep doing it? And we did it across the board in both the degrees that we offer at our faculty. And it's been one of the most important changes that we've made. Um, so lots of things that we've actually been able to improve and iterate because of the feedback and, and the relationship that we have with students. But to get back to your original question, what will continue? Um, what Where I was headed was that we had to try some things that we had thought were not going to be effective. Uh, so things like workshops that were online or whole classes that were online. So the academic um, in the room, we found that to be something that students uh, have really requested, okay, that time with an academic, but we actually have better outcomes, we feel, from the online experience because students are dialing in from all over the, uh, from all over Melbourne, all over Victoria and, and globally and engaging to a level that we didn't expect um, in those uh, online classes. So I see some online continuing. I do because it creates flexibility and choice in the way that you structure your time. It allows you to be able to, you know, commute at a different time or to arrange your life around your work or um, your care responsibilities or whatever it is. So some component of online will stay. Now, there were other aspects of the move to online learning that we haven't yet been able to to address. So negative aspects such as the loss of lab time. There's lots of great simulations. There's been some really great workarounds provided in terms of skills like decision-making, um, problem solving in labs, data evaluation and, and analyzing outcomes in labs are all achievable online, don't get me wrong. But to go back to learning styles, we you know there's a learning style where people are very reflective um, so they like to take their time and think things through and then enact and reflect. And they tend to take longer to attain a particular skill, but make fewer errors. And then there are people who are very sort of impulsive and they just want to get their hands in and, and start working on it. And um, sorry to, this is a very long arc back, but that actual sort of impulsive wanting to get your hands on it is quite important sometimes in some of the lab activities that we do because there is something about those sort of motor spatial kind of skills that you develop by doing that may not be achieved as effectively um, from or via an online delivery so long answer in the future, we will retain some of the things that we have seen to be successful in maintaining community, um, driving engagement. Um, I, I find in my teaching that I get 
more answers from students when it's online. Exactly what you were saying earlier, Jessica, people type and they're far uh, less inhibited in, you know, typing an answer and, and engaging in that way. When it was in the class, in the lecture, you know, I could get people to talk, but I sort of had to come and seek them out a little bit more. Um, so that, that's been really successful. Um, but I think still, still trialing, um, approaches that will en enable you to develop those lab competencies. We want those really important skills, um, that we want you to graduate with as a pharmaceutical scientist. So yeah, there'll be a bit of a combination online on campus. Um, but more flexibility. And I think that's really important. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Because like, for me personally, I live in the suburb area. So traveling to Parkville is quite a bit of a journey for me. It takes about, I would say around three to four hours in total, then yeah. back. So it's definitely a great option for online, maybe perhaps lectures where we can just like view it and having that interaction online has been pretty interesting as well because you probably can open up more in terms of like talking about life because you have a common topic now, like complaining about the pandemic. Yep. So it definitely helped in terms of that as well. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, even to what you were just saying, you know, uh, you can ask a question at the start of an online whole class, like I'm talking, you know, a Q&A or an applied or whatever, and you will get everybody typing a response. Whereas if you walk into a lecture theatre, like, how is everyone? Yeah, yeah, good, good. You know, it's it's quite general, the, the, the response that you get. Whereas, you know, whatever the question is, you know, it could be something about what you've been eating or watching or doing or, you know, missing or whatever it is. But yeah, people are like quite happy to sort of open, open up. And it's quite funny because um, I teach a lot in first year and, and I like to, to get to know students and their names. And I did wonder about how that would happen in the online environment, but I, I do have like, I'm, it's not, I'm not saying I know everybody, but I do have an idea of the personality of students by what, what is presented in the online environment. And without the pandemic, I would never have wanted to try that as an experiment. I just wouldn't have, like it wouldn't have um, been something that we would undertake, but we did <laughs> and we had to. And yeah, there's been some really great, great lessons. Yeah. It's really pushed everybody out of their comfort zones. Yeah. I've had some lecturers talk about how like a lot of the classes I go into, people are a bit too nervous to put their cameras on a lot of the time, especially like in the big groups. So then the lecturers will talk about when they see us on campus, when we have to do labs, they're like, oh, that's who that person is. Yeah. And finally get to put like a face to the name and the person they've been like interacting with all semester. Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise it's just a handle and you know, a, like a, a name appearing in the chat. Yeah. No, it's it's quite funny the 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 Zoom effect of when you meet somebody for the first time and you realise they were at least you know this much taller or shorter than you thought they were or <laughs> yeah, that's been one of the challenging things is that that whole idea of community and and knowing people as people because um, we've always had a small faculty it's been easy for us you know um, to get to know you guys as individuals and that has been more difficult, I think, with the move online, but not insurmountable. Um, and I think, yeah, 
more activities where people, I think this year I'm finding people more willing to put their cameras on. I don't know if that's you're finding that or maybe it's a year by year thing as in third year students a bit more willing than, I don't know. What do you, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it depends on the class and the day, whether like people are just getting out of bed and no one wants to have their camera on or everybody feels a bit more comfortable. Like, yeah, it really depends. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we're discussing as well is how how strongly do you reinforce the need for a camera? Um, and it's a very rapidly moving area in terms of the research in that space. But, you know, there is evidence to suggest that it's, quite exhausting to to have your camera on all day and and to have that kind of basically view of yourself and and how that changes the way that you interact but to us you know more and more students are saying that in small groups it really is the difference you know it creates an inclusive collaborative environment when all of you have have your cameras on in that small group so you know maybe in the larger group we don't need to worry about it so much, but when it is the smaller group, um, and this is this is feedback that's coming through the student body, is that it it does help with that necessary trust building that happens when you work in a team. You know um, that yeah. people are more comfortable to offer ideas and and even more importantly to critique or provide feedback to others if they can see each other. So yeah, we'll keep keep working on that kind of where, where we head to in terms of advice and guidance and support to students to to maintain maintain the camera definitely I feel like that's pretty relatable it to in my classes as well because seeing other people's faces in small groups makes it like more personable and easier to relate to others and just easier to have conversations with as well because when you're just staring at like the names on the screen it's a bit hard to I guess connect with that person yeah you don't know how they're responding they could be nodding and like full yeah. of agreement with you <laughs> or they could be you know preparing their dinner for the evening and actually not you know not interested or engaged and and I think as humans sometimes we assume the negative so they may be sitting there, you know, nodding away going, oh, great. Yeah, that's right, Lucas. But if they're not saying anything, um, you don't know it. And so the sort of default assumption can sometimes be, oh, they don't like my idea. You know what I mean? So I think um, having the cameras there can help with that sort of those cues that that do promote um, more effective team interactions. And I guess what I would say there is that, you know, uh, I think we have to move beyond, I don't want to have my camera on because of something personal about us, like because my hair or I haven't had a shower or whatever it is. Um, and it goes back to that sort of structured and planning, planned day. So, you know, if you're saying I'm turning up to work now, like I'm turning up to my desk or, you know, my computer's going on and it's university time, then you're putting on that professional sort of mantle and, and you're ready to actually sort of have your camera on and, and, and be that professional at that time. So, yeah. Yeah. That mindset is really important. Yeah. 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 I think we can bring it to a close now. You've given like lots of great advice on how to handle online learning and to get the most out of it. So thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. No worries. Thanks for having me. 
To conclude the episode, we wish to acknowledge the people of the Kulon nations on whose land we are gathered today. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. For those listening who may be based elsewhere, we pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land from wherever you may be listening from. We especially welcome any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people listening in today.